Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine, the paleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. said with my pinky finger in the air. Ugh. You can't affect that accent. It's not a thing that works for you. Um, Like the, what, the creepy Count Dracula? Yeah. yeah. It's like you're too, you're too nice for I that. I can't pull that off? Uh, well, if you say, okay, too nice. For, okay, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the insult if it's because I'm too nice. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine. Now I feel like I'm going to have to act, you know, like actively work on my... Good evening. <laughs> that, that wasn't any better. That was no, it much, wasn't. Much, much <laughs> All right, maybe I won't work on it, and I will just um, just embrace my not so goodness at it. Sounds How like are you? We haven't talked in a bajillion years. It has been a while because we recorded early last time and are recording late. I am well. I am rested. I am um, back from vacation. From the not so sunny and not so warm Florida, where they had <laughs> record breaking cold and wind records while we were there. And it shut, always makes you feel special, right? Shut down the outdoor roller coasters because the wind was uh, so whatever that it like endangered people. Like, who cares, guys? Who cares if the wind. Pushes the roller coaster off the track and kills us all. I mean, let's just ride it and see what happens. I mean, you're you're there to take your life in your own hands and get a thrill anyway. The real sense of danger. Yeah, so I'm just being sarcastic in case people didn't get that. Um, no, but we had a really fantastic time despite um, it not being kind of ideal weather conditions. Um one thing you can't plan about a vacation though is the weather right yeah like we can't plan it about any day period yeah and sometimes i mean someone has to have the bad weather and then i got to visit russ from the domestic man um who just had a new baby and um russ and matt and i tagged along um to go see deadpool they have like this tradition of bromancing to superhero movies every time they hang out and so Deadpool was really slower together so they did that and baby Elliot is adorable and um, let's see I also met up with Summer from the Dirty Floor Diaries who has like recovered PCOS with Diet and Lifestyle. She's been a guest um, blogger on our site and um, 
We visited her on the Emerald Coast, which I think you talked about before as being a place you vacationed, and I totally, like, didn't get that they call it that because the water is so green and clear yeah. and amazing and beautiful, and the sand was white, and I've never seen, I grew up on the beach, and I've never seen a beach, I went to Jamaica for Pete's sake, I've never seen a beach as beautiful as the city that we went to where she lives and visited her, so that was cool. All that was awesome. Um, and I continued to do my daily handstand every single day that I was on vacation. Is that a picture of you doing a handstand at like a random rest stop, by the yep, way? That is. That <laughs> because we traveled from Orlando to Pensacola, which the way that we took, which was like the scenic route, was about eight hours. And so we split it up over two days, and that's. You got to do what you got to do where you got to do it sometimes. So, so that's cool. I'm just, I don't look at that ground and think, boy, I want to put my hands on it. Well, it was outside. And don't we talk all the time about how dirt makes us stronger? And you know? I'm sorry, but whatever was on that concrete is not dirt. <laughs> that does not count. It's totally fine. You washed your hands afterwards? No, you didn't. You didn't either, did you? You just like I you brushed them on your pants, got back in the car. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. We've all established the fact that we're good. I mean, Nom Nom was on the show, and we talked about how I embrace the badness. Like we've talked about it. Yes, and I believe way back then, probably. Two and a half years ago, or th- three years ago, shows? A long time been, ago. How long have we been doing this? A long time. Within three years? Is that... That's a really long time. Okay, so three-ish, two and a half-ish years ago, and I said I still sanitize the kitchen after handling raw chicken. Guess what? Still the same. <laughs> I don't think we've ever sanitized the kitchen. <laughs> I mean... Deal Once every two weeks, a type of meat happens. in which 50% of it has salmonella. I just believe in, you know, grabbing the cleaner spray and spraying down the counters. That's all I'm saying. Wash my hands with soap. All. That's it. So. We wash our hands after we touch raw chicken. Okay. Mm, that's, about, that's about all I can tell you about that. So, yeah. I handstanded. That's where we were in our conversation. Yes. At a random rest stop. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, oh, it was a word I almost used that Matt would have had to bleep, but it started with bad and ended with <clears throat> a different word for derriere. I don't think that would have been <laughs> a good word to use on the show, but that's the word I was about to say. Just. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you were going to use that word because it sounded like it was going in a different kind of direction. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, that's, that's, it's epic. Epic's a much more rated G word than the first one that came to mind. Um, I still would have washed my own hands afterwards, but still pretty, it's pretty awesome. I love that um, there's something about, I don't know if it's paleo or if it's blogging or if it's just motherhood, but that whole like, yeah, so random people will see me doing something like this, whatever. Like, I love that attitude. And I like, I feel like I have that attitude for a lot of things. And I, but I see it a lot within our community. And I, I think it's such a great way to go through life. Just, yep, I am being a role model right oh, now. Oh, yeah, there was totally other people 
at the gas station that like laughed at me. And I don't know if it was at me or with me, but I was just okay knowing that they laughed. So, but I mean, this is the thing though, is handstands are not something that just everybody can do. And so that, you know, if people are laughing, it's mostly out of like, holy smokes, I'm jealous that you're doing that thing. Well, it didn't help either that because I kept doing them on like concrete floors when we were out and about, I also did one in front of this restaurant that I really enjoyed, but that photo didn't end up going um, up on Instagram because I ended up posting the food instead. Um, But um, so I was like doing it on sidewalks and stuff. And Matt, every time right before I was about to go, like he, he knows what my stance is and whatever at this point. Right. So I was like literally flinching into the setup and he's like just be careful okay like you're on concrete just just be careful and i'm like seriously seriously do you think i don't know that i'm about to do this on concrete do you think it helps me for you to like make me nervous um because it hadn't occurred to me that i should like be freaked out until you made me be freaked out so i have never fallen out of a handstand completely ever even the time that i fell years and years ago and broke my collarbone was because I was on my way down and a person walked behind me and I like fell in a different direction and hadn't cleared the space and fell like onto a bookshelf. So I had totally forgotten about that whole right? thing. Right. But now I completely remember about it. Yeah. So I'm like, can you not freak me out about doing this right now? Because it just makes me paranoid. But anyway, so. so- do you know what I love about this story? <laughs> I love A, that Matt's worried about you, and B, that you're doing it anyways. But C, I love that what you're actually talking about is something that we want to talk about on the show, which is um, consistency with commitments. So, you know, you've made a commitment to do inversions daily, and then you found ways to do it even on a road trip, even in places where no one else would think to do a handstand. And, um, and I think that that ties in really well with, um, what we kind of want to talk about today, which is, um, a little bit about the importance of consistency, but also kind of how, um, some of the ways that we navigate consistency with commitments, even when, um, life is, kind of getting in the way and making it harder um and so i kind of see how i turned that into a segue that was yeah impressive right i i would totally give you credit for that segue since i usually do them except uh we talked on the phone before this and talked about how we we're gonna segue <laughs> oh, busted busted no definitely i think well one of the one of the reasons it's a topic is because we are both um you know, have a lot going on in our lives. And you were saying, you know, one of the most important things for you right now is consistency with bedtime. And, you know, we have different things that we each do, but we both have things that we both do. And um, each of those components leads to our health and well-being. So, you know, we both focus on nutrient-dense diets. They look a little bit different, but for the most part, we both believe that, you know, focus on vegetables and seafood and organ meats and, you know, food that has a lot of nutrients make us feel our best. And, you know, 
sometimes I don't want to order a salad when I'm out, (laughs) right? Like I was on vacation for a whole week and I ate out for the first half entirely. The second half was amazing because we stayed at Russ's house and he just cooked for us the whole time. Um, My favorite. Right. And I was like, Russ, you guys have a baby. We came to help you. And he's like, Oh no, it's totally fine. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to (laughs) complain. But um, so there was a lot of healthy food, obviously um, that Russ was making, but the first half of, of it, it was like, you know, I knew that we were going to be eating out basically all of our meals. And I had to say to myself, okay, where am I going to get seafood? Where am I going to get vegetables in, you know, the consumption of the food for these several days? And I packed vital proteins with me because I need broth or collagen every day in order for my joints to feel good. And so, you know, creating those consistencies and also kind of thinking ahead of time really helps me enjoy the time more. And I also, you know, allow myself to let go and not get, you know, overwhelmingly caught up in everything that I would, you know, do in an ideal or a perfect world, because I know that I'm focusing on the things that really will help me feel my best, you know, in that short term time that will also allow me to still enjoy my trip. Because, I have been in this scenario where I, you know, get super stressed and I focus on every little thing and then then you don't get to enjoy anything and also that stress can be just as bad for you as, you know, whatever imperfection might be happening. So, yeah, I think there's a fine line to walk between uh maintaining a commitment to an eating plan, uh an exercise regimen, um you know, consistent bedtimes, stress management strategies. There's a really fine line between maintaining that commitment versus obsessing about it and um, and turning a commitment into something that actually is very negative. So, you know, the, the best example that we've talked about on the show before is orthorexia, where your commitment to a healthy diet turns into an eating disorder, where you're so over-obsessed with only eating those foods that you perceive to be the healthiest foods and that we see this in the paleo movement, but you see this in, you know, other um, sort of healthy diet, you know, like prescribed diets as well. Um, And you see this just as a, also as a form of anorexia, like it's, it's a, um, it's an eating disorder in which, you know, you do not give yourself the flexibility to go off plan and it becomes a very, very negative psychological sort of cycle. And um, I think that I think that consistency is really important when we're especially when we're trying to heal. And I think consistency in all of those aspects that we know are really important inputs of health is really important, but never at the expense of um, stress, right? So it's it's that consistency will speed up healing, but if maintaining that consistency is causing crazy amounts of stress, then that's undermining healing. And then you're not doing yourself any favors anymore. Right. And then it's about figuring out how you can be consistent in a sustainable way. It's not that, like, I feel like a lot of people get to that point and then they just give up entirely Yeah. versus kind of relooking at, okay, this is really overwhelming and stressful. What can I do to realign this plan so that it works for me. And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, kind of looking back after five or six years paleo, we can say, 
okay, like this is, this is how I was able to adapt to it and make it a lifestyle and make it work for me long term is because you've got to, you've, you've got to, first of all, know your own body and listen to your body because nothing is ever always the same, right? You could, you have fluctuations in your health and your activity levels and all different kinds of things that require, you know, constant tweaking and adjustments. So consistency for the sake of, well, two years ago, eating tomatoes was fine, even though I'm having joint pain and acne and, um, you know, my, my rash is flaring up. Like if you tell yourself, well, it's fine because, you know, this is what I decided two years ago, then you might not ever realize nightshades are a problem for you now. Let me retake them out and see how I adapt to them, right? So we don't mean to say consistency is like write something in stone and never look back, but it's for the sake of, you know, figuring out what really works for you and then finding a way to stick with it so that it becomes sustainable for your needs. And sometimes that does still mean adapting. And I I know that's like, as you said, a very fine line. And it's weird to describe and navigate because we're saying like, be consistent, but also be flexible. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and don't, I mean, um, yeah, I, so I, I love your point about um, not when you hit that wall, because we invariably do, right? Life gets in the way. It has a way of, of throwing all the things at us all at once of, um, then instead of going, oh, well, this is stressing me out. Guess I'm going off plan now of finding ways to adapt. So one of like one of my tricks, for example, is um, when I'm not feeling well, I'm feeling run down, my stress level is getting really high. I still maintain my commitment to movement, but I'll go into my CrossFit gym and tell my coach like, I I need a recovery day. We'll do something really light. We'll maybe spend, you know, 45 minutes stretching. We'll do something very different than if I walk in and I'm feeling great and I'm ready to like move my body and work up a sweat and and push myself really hard. And that has been for me something that I've um, been able to do the last like seven months now really consistently. And it's been so phenomenal for my, my physical health to be able to maintain. And, you know, that, that might not mean go to a CrossFit class or it might mean go to yoga class or it might mean go for a walk, but taking that commitment, that commitment to movement and figuring out, okay, so on a day that I'm really run down or I'm jet lagged from my travel or whatever it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm fighting a cold. How can I rein in the intensity, but maintain that commitment um, and, and figure out an alternative for something that I can do? Um, and I think that we can do that type of adjustment very dynamically. And I think we can do that with all the things. So I think we can do that with diet. I think we can do that with the things that we implement in our lives to manage stress. I think that um, to an extent, we can even do that with bedtimes. I have some science to share on that, though. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Before you jump into the science on that, can I just add one thing? Mm-hmm. Which is that I think... I I totally agree with what you said. And I want to add on that um, when you're talking about the, for the sake of consistency and, you know, flexibility and kind of being consistent and sticking with it. um, I, I, I see people sometimes have a day where they don't do that. Let's say you're sick and you tell yourself it's better for you not to do whatever it is mm-hmm. um, movement-wise, right? Which may absolutely be the, the case that day, right? Right. 
So then it's not the case, whether it was an accident or intentional. Like, let's also say maybe you accidentally go to a pizza buffet. <laughs> like, it's not the case that the next day that everything is over, it's ruined, and you might as well completely go off the rails. That's where it's so important to tell yourself, like, to forgive yourself and to move on and to not dwell on it and not be guilty and not, like, feel overwhelmed with failure or shame or whatever these emotions are. And to rather say, today is a new day and I feel really good about sticking to a plan and I'm going to do it and I'm going to feel good about myself. And accomplishing and you know whether or not you we've talked before about coming up you know with non-food rewards and different things like that for maybe milestones or accomplishments that you have with with goals that you accomplish and consistency or things like that and I I just think that's really important for for the context of what we're saying in terms of you know consistency is you know what we don't want is to see people like you said go the orthorexia route become obsessed to not be flexible um and adapt to their own lifestyle but also to not be plagued with this, you know, feeling of negativity as a result of it, because it's really the opposite intention. It's, you know, these are the things that you and I do that make us feel good. We don't walk away when, you know, I, if I I did have days where like I was sick and I missed a day of inversion and I didn't like take away handstand month and make a big deal out of it and tell everybody I failed. It was like, it was really important for me to just rest that day and I just got inverted the next day and every, you know, life went on. So. Here, here. I feel like we're building a tower with really awesome blocks. It's not like Jenga. There's not going to be any pulling anything from the bottom. <laughs> so it's more like a pyramid. Well, yes. Excellent. Let's hit me with the science. What's happening. Yes. So you know, when we were talking about being consistent, it's something that I was actually really surprised when I hit these scientific papers and I was writing go to bed. And I kind of felt like it's a good like little mini science to throw into this podcast because there's actually been a, a few different very recent scientific papers showing that consistency in uh, bedtime and wake time is actually really important for our health. And um, a couple of different labs have looked at this different ways. Um, some have looked at what's called social jet lag. So that's the mismatch between what your schedule sort of imposes, whether that's your job or your social commitments, but what your schedule imposes when you go to bed because you're doing something versus when your body actually needs to go to bed. So that that mismatch between the two things. Um, and other studies have just looked at like when people sleep and how much variability there is in terms of when they go to bed and when they wake up on different days of the week. So we can look at it in terms of like, when you have commitments, do you sleep differently, right? Do you, do you sleep differently on weekdays versus weekends? Um, or do you just have a lot of variability in your sleep? And what these studies have actually shown is the more variability that we have in our bedtime and our wake time, and also the more uh, mismatch we have between when our you know, schedules impose that we go to bed and wake up versus when our bodies are ready, um, which also is basically variability. That, that really is, speaks to I sleep in on the weekends and I go to bed later on weeknights because I'm doing something else. Um, the greater that variability, the worse health outcomes. And so it's actually seen in things that are considered more qualitative, like um, a body fat percentage, 
um, and, uh, you know, being higher probability of being obese, but also things that are like quantifiable, like cholesterol profiles, uh, fasting insulin levels, um, uh, insulin resistance. Uh, And so we're looking at a lot of metabolic markers, but they, they correlate with, um, it's not just sleep time. I mean, we know that eight hours of sleep is, is a pretty good average optimal amount, but it correlates with also how consistent bedtime is and wake time and variation of more than about an hour in terms of bedtime and wake time is where we start to see these worse health comes. So keeping, you know, part of consistency for me is keeping my bedtime. I try to keep my bedtime within about a 20 minute range. Um, There's, it doesn't always happen, right? There's probably at least one night a week where I'm like, wow, (laughs) I got late. (laughs) Oops. Um, And I'm going to bed an hour later than I, I normally do. But it's something that I've been working really, really hard to sort of entrench in myself is this very predictable bedtime. And I've noticed um, I've noticed that it's really improved my sleep quality. So if I look at, you know, my, how I, if I'm moving in my sleep, I wear a Fitbit when I'm sleeping so I can tell um, when I've refocused on this consistency in bedtime, I've noticed much higher sleep quality and I'm waking up more refreshed, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, um, so I kind of like, you know, when I try to, when I need flexibility, I try to get it in other places, um, and still try to maintain that priority towards sleep. A little bit of science. I am not as good at sleeping as you. And I'm just going to say that it's something I'm aware of. And I, <laughs> I didn't share that science to to be like a guilt trip. Like, no, I know, I know you didn't. But I think people, we all sixty five percent of people don't don't even get seven hours of sleep a night, let alone eight. Like it's yeah, it's pretty common thing in our society to undersleep and to not have a regular bedtime once we hit the age of like fourteen. Yeah, I average probably like seven and a half during the week, and but I aim. Or eight, and then on the weekends, um, I try to take a nap and then get more. But um, I do always, I absolutely feel better on more like nine. But I can't sleep. I know some people can like do ten, but my body literally just will wake up and not. It's like saturated. <laughs> can. I can do I can do ten if something's not right. Like yeah. if I'm sleeping ten, I know like okay, well I must have inflammation or I'm fighting a virus. Like some. If I, but if I get nine to nine and a half every single night, then I don't sleep in. Like I'd wake up on the weekends at the same time. Like if I can get that consistency of about nine hours a night, then that is what is like infinitely sustainable for me. And I think that even just knowing what that number is, is kind of a neat thing, right? So for you, you know what that number is, yeah. um, which means sleep's definitely on your radar. And I think a lot of people don't, like a lot of people don't even know what the number of hours of sleep their body would actually want to get every night and then not need to sleep in anymore. Like that's, that's kind of an, it's, it's a quite an experiment to do, right? Because it requires rejigging a lot of life to make more room for sleep. And we're not used to doing that. Um, but there's a lot of people like Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post has been talking about sleep a lot this year. I wonder if she's working on a sleep book actually. <laughs> and um, she had this massive crash a few years ago. She was sleeping three or four hours a night. She had this huge health crash. It was a horrible situation. 
And she now like it's her top priority, eight hours of sleep every single night. And what she's talking about now is that she gets more done per amount of time that she's working than she used to, you know, like, like, then she, she gets more done in her shorter work days because she's sleeping more now than she used to get in these extra long work days when she thought she had to work until two in the morning because she had to get all this stuff done. And it's because she's so much more efficient with her time now that she's chronically well rested. And, um, and I think that's a really important um, message to package in with rejigging life for a focus on sleep because we worry about all the things that we're not going to get done if we're spending more time in bed. But after sort of paying down that sleep debt and getting those hormones regulated and getting to a point where um, you, you know we have more energy and more mental focus, like those are all things that sleep affects, it is a very, very, very stereotypical experience to find efficiency increases and we get way more done in our day awake because we have higher motivation, right? We have more energy. We're, you know, we have better mental clarity. We have better moods and that drives us to get all those things done in a shorter period of time. And then keeping sleep as a priority becomes easier after that. I want to tell you about a medical research article that I read today. That's completely like slightly on topic. Completely slightly on topic. Yeah. Excellent. So Hit first me. of all, I never get to talk about science. You you always take right. the science. So I'm just like I'm just throwing it out there, you guys. I'm did talking it have about to do science. gravitational waves. Did you read the stuff about gravitational? I waves? did, but that's not what it has to do with. That's not on topic at all. Um, a couple of my husband's colleagues were on that paper, so that's all. I was very thinking. cool. Yeah. Well, so I read a bunch of articles today in an effort to try to convince our executive team that our leadership is multitasking too much. And we talked a little bit about unitasking on our last show. And there are several medical and uh, scientific studies that have been done to measure brainwave activity and mental clarity and focus on people who are multitasking. So you were talking about um, productivity being increased with sleep. Um, I read this really great quote, I don't have it in front of me, about um, how multitasking while doing two tasks decreases productivity by 20 to 40 percent and has the same effects of someone who has not slept for 36 hours and is worse for mental clarity than smoking marijuana. So that's when, insane. Right. So just do just switching between two tasks. I yes. mean, when you think about multitaskers, two's like for amateurs, right? Right. So, <laughs> so like to just switching between two tasks decreases productivity by 40%, the same as if you're smoking dope. Yes. Or worse than if you're smoking dope. Right. Worse than, right. You or would you be just more productive. It right. You would be more productive <laughs> if you just, you know. If you did one task, while stoned right. and sleep deprived. Right. So not that we are endorsing no. either of those things. No, no, no. But my point is that it's not I mean, absolutely I completely agree about sleeping, but it's also about like really creating um a reduced stress environment and coming up with a plan for yourself. Reduced and, distraction environment. Right. And and that kind of reduction, because what that means, like what it's doing for your brain is reducing the stress, right? Your brain, brain doesn't have to switch between one task to another and kind of get confused and overwhelmed and then have to refocus on the one thing, you know? So there were, there were like basic things that they did with people where they had them do 10 multiplication um, 
uh, equations in a row and then 10 division equations in a row. And then they had them do one multiplication, one division, one multiplication, one division. And that's where they were able to measure like reduction in productivity by like 20 to 40% because your brain has to literally like you said, rejigger. What am I doing this? Oh, wait. Yeah. Right. Oh, wait, this is multiplication. Oh, wait, this is division. Right. So when you think about something basic, like like those people were still maintaining the same math equations the whole time. They weren't bouncing between, you know, all of these different things that you do in life. And, you know, I am notorious for having like 40 tabs pulled up on my, in my like internet browser Mm -hmm. and bouncing between all these. I knew there was a reason we got along so well. Matt has like yells at me all the time because my internet like crashes and then I yell at my computer and he's like, well, it's been running for six days with 40 windows. And I'm like, it should know me by now. <laughs> um, like, I need a computer with lots of RAM. Yeah. Well, not but, for gaming, for so, internet browsing. Exactly. For writing and reading. Um, so I just wanted to share that the specific statistic because I just seen it earlier today that you know, the consistency of sticking with one task, the consistency of, you know, doing these kinds of things have measurable improvements. And, you know, whether whether you're looking at it from a sleep perspective or, you know, from a food perspective or from a movement perspective, or even in this case, like a reduction in stress and a, a focus and productivity perspective, you know, whatever kind of lifestyle that you have going on, it can really apply. And this is something that, you know, I was researching for my regular day job to discourage uh, the use of cellular devices and laptops while we're having like executive meetings where we're trying to like make decisions and get things done. Right. So I'm like, Hey guys, we'd be more efficient if we actually listened to one another and paid attention. Shocker. Um, so, <laughs> But here's the science to prove it. Right. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to, Talk about that anymore i just i was excited to share some science with you <laughs> um i i love that and i i love this you know this is one of the things that i feel the commitment to whether you call it paleo or you call it primal or you call it ancestral or it's some variation of these things autoimmune protocol or something more flexible perfect health diet right um you know whatever where, wherever on this this spectrum that you land, I think it's a really interesting, um, rec- like it's really interesting to recognize how much how we approach our diet and lifestyle choices is intertwined with just how you know how we approach life and how to you know how to find efficiency, how to find fun, how to find movement, how to find enough sleep, and how all of these things interact and impact each other. And it kind of becomes that whole, you know, I think we've talked about it before, like the whole, like, well, first I just ate, you know, chicken and broccoli and coconut oil. And then I started focusing on nutrition. And then I thought about what was in my, you know, makeup and my beauty care products and my house cleaners. And then, you know, like how these journeys tend to be very, um, it's almost like instead of I don't know. It's like instead of peeling back layers of an onion, it's almost like adding them. Like you just kind of go like, okay, I've got this down. Now there's this next thing that I can work on. Okay, I've got that down. Now there's this next thing I can work on. And it ends up becoming like a full life journey, I think. Um, but one that's pretty amazing. Agreed. Just, yeah. So what I will say is that for the sake of our own consistency, given that um, 
we had to record given that late. we had to record late and poor Matt has to edit something right because it was his birthday yesterday happy birthday honey happy birthday Matt it is also our 10-year marriage certificate anniversary <laughs> which I specify because we celebrate our commitment to one another 14 years ago but today is our 10-year like marriage certificate anniversary and I have not even happy 14 10 10 <laughs> how long time together right um so yeah and I haven't even seen him today um and I still haven't eaten dinner so and you have to go to bed because these are the things that we focus on what really recharges me and I know this because I can I'm like I'm like those articles that you read about how pets reduce your stress by like you know stroking a cat or you know taking your dog on a walk like that's what it's like for me when I snuggle another human being like I literally feel my batteries like being refilled like I'm a rechargeable battery um that does a lot for for my um science to support that you're not the only one so i will just say like these are the things that i know about myself and i would like to go do them so although it seemed like we were doing a real show it was really a check-in show surprise Surprise! (laughs) uh this is how one of the ways that we maintain our commitment to you and maintain our consistency with doing a show every week is that when we need to we do check-in shows. We do short shows. We do uh, what we need to make sure that we've got something for you guys, but that we're still protecting ourselves. And that's what we're doing this week after, I think, a still pretty, like, information-packed show. Yeah. I mean, it's still both of us gave science. What's right. that? That's, that's not the first time. It's true. <laughs> I think but, maybe, like, once or twice with gallbladders and breastfeeding. I think we might still be on, like, <laughs> counting fingers level right yes awesome well it was great to talk with you because it has been a really long time and um, well it won't be by our next show i'll be like wait a minute didn't i just talk to you see see it's gonna happen and thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in just as a reminder if you have not yet left a review or shared the podcast link with your friends and family that might be interested we would be infinitely grateful for you doing so and um we look forward to being back next week because even though for us it's this weird time warp thing for you you are consistently getting a show on the same day every week (laughs) and we are so grateful again to matt for matt and monica's consistency with that delivery (laughs) Well, um, thanks so much for uh, chit-chatting with me, Stacey, and I'll talk to you soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.